Hello and welcome back to Giant the Giant Contraband Robot Podcast with your host Desi the Sif and my co-host Christian Ventura. What's up guys? <laughs> that is a very big delay right there, man. That is a very big delay. I agree. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Are you tired? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, like me too. I got up like at seven thirty this morning. Oh yeah. I was up at seven too. Yeah, so I'm like, so this may be a quick podcast because we want to go to sleep. <laughs> Or he can go. He has to go home. Then I have. To, well, at least I'm in. I'm in my own recording space where I can go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but on this episode today, um, I know last episode we was gonna like carry on from what we last talked about. Right. But it's been like a solid two weeks from the time that episode aired. So when you get a new pot, when you get a new episode this coming, um, this upcoming week, um, it's gonna be two episodes. The previous episode that we we've recorded and this episode, and this episode takes place between the weeks of November fourth to November 9th. So we're gonna get give you all the news stories that happened this pretty much this week, and one new story we did not get a chance to talk about um, about two and a half weeks ago, which was Superman TV series. Well, actually, it's called Superman and Lois. Right, right. They want to make it a double feature, kind of like the podcast right now. Actually, it's <laughs> technically, it's. Um, a callback to Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. Oh, really? Yeah. I hadn't seen that. You haven't? What? I actually had not seen that. I'm very aware of it, and I know it's something that I kind of missed the boat on, but it's something that I definitely want to go back to. Actually, was you born? Because <laughs> I, I know I was like seven when that, when that came out. So, no. <laughs> All right, so That's the, the answer is definitely no. I was not born at that point. Yeah, okay, so... That lets you know, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm older than um, Christian right here. Right, but at least that gives it a, a nice change of perspective. You can see it in two different views there. Yeah, because um, you can go on the DC Universe app to right. check it out. Right, right. Or well, for how long, though? Yeah. We'll get that ominous tone will be brought up later on in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you can just, what normal people do, rip it off on YouTube. <laughs> oh, the YouTube rips. I feel like that's very 2008, 2009. That's what I do for Code Monkeys. Really? Yeah. Code Monkeys. I have the first season of Code Monkeys, which is one of like one of the most underrated G4 animated shows they had. Mm-hmm. And then when they canceled season two, after season two, they canceled it. They have no plan. They had G4 was already like losing kind of like any form of funding. Okay. And they did not release a season two on DVD. Oh, really? Yeah. They had a season two, but they didn't release it out that way? Yeah. Oh wow! So that really pisses me off. The like, and Netflix had season one and two. Yeah, I remember that. And they took it. They fucking took whatever fuck happened. They took it off. Now I have to. I can watch season one, but <laughs> now I have to watch season two on YouTube. <laughs> so you and everybody else that's for some reason a Gordon Ramsay fan that ripped every single episode on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and I do watch um, Kitchen Nightmares on YouTube. I do too. It's still um, a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm not a big fan of Gordon Ramsay. I just like the fact that um, these people who think they can cook yeah. are going on there. And then deal. obviously can't. And I, I legit think those people who go on there, it's like, you're just doing it for attention. That's true. Well, did you did you remember <coughs> that episode that was uh, Amy's Banking Company or something? It's old news at this point. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. I was like, yeah. they was pissing me off. Yeah, they were legitimately insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this episode is not about not um, about Gordon that. Ramsay. Um, <laughs> on this episode today, we're going to be talking about. Let me put up my list. Terminator Dark 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 Fate box office bomb. Despite its good 
initial reviews, um, word of mouth, it only made over twenty nine million in the box office. Right. It is set to lose about a hundred and thirty plus in the box office. Yeah, yeah. That that budget for that movie was right around two hundred million, right? Yep. That's that's insane. You know, it's like I don't understand how. Well, you can speculate how it would happen because you know. There's this great word of mouth, people talking about it that actually had the opportunity to see the movie. But when you actually get around to why critics were, you know, bombing it so hard and then people not actually responding to it, you kind of see some, you kind of see how some people probably got butt hurt with certain things that happened in the movie. Obviously, I won't talk about it yet because it's still fresh. But also, <laughs> but this is the opposite effect. People giving a good word of mouth, critics are praising it, mm-hmm. but people are not watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So that goes. That is, that's the qu- the question is. Do they stop need to do rebooting, re sequeling? I like to call it. Mm-hmm. It's a reboot, but it's a sequel. Right. Of an existing property. Like, mm-hmm. should they just fucking stop? You know, I feel like at a certain point, yeah. Because as much as I love Terminator, and as much as I'm sure many people do, there's a time and a place for everything. And it doesn't seem like the timing for this is really working out because on top of that, as you know, the franchise ages, so do the actors that they're trying to continue to keep relevant. And even though it's always nice to have a callback to the original material, I think we're seeing a, a form of fatigue in this way where even though they're calling back to the original material, they're trying to call back on your nostalgia of the yep. original characters and then trying to build off of that but give them new stories. Yep. When in certain fashions that could work, but if you're trying to reboot or resequel, like you're saying, yep. an entire franchise, it may not come out the way that you want it to because it's you're you're brand, you're binging or uh, banking, sorry, on nostalgia. The, on nostalgia on a completely new market. On top of that, like you're banking on people saying, "Hey, this was a great series before. Let me make sure that I first have to show somebody that series to then have them understand the impact of what this was." And then they're trying to concatenate that form of nostalgia that's not gonna pay off. Yeah, I think the only reason why it made 29 million is the people who seen judgment day probably yeah so those who were alive in 1993 which would be me Mm -hmm. and i was about eight at the time it was pre-alive by three years um (laughs) yeah we only us would know anything about term um judgment day right and i think that form of nostalgia is not going to carry over you want to know what my nostalgia level is with judgment day it was actually the ride at universal that's the most nostalgia I remember having from that. Yeah, that is true. Like, I think they took it down already. They took it down. Yeah, they took it down uh, years ago, and they replaced it with the Minions ride. Yeah. So when Minions came up was that was when that happened. But actually, funnily enough, I'm not even sure if it's still there now. I'm pretty sure it is. I did get an opportunity to go to uh, Universal in Florida, and they still had that show there. But they had a different version of the show that actually had the physical, like, um, the physical metal scorpion where like the screen would actually come up and there was an actual physical unit instead of just the 3D one that we had here in Universal um, Hollywood. Yeah, I think ours was a 3D ride. Yeah, yeah. That, but it was always fun. And that's that's the nostalgia level that I have for it. So when I went into the movies, and I remember like the first one that I, I remember actually caring about after having rewatched the original ones was um, Salvation. Okay. And that gave it an interesting spin but even then, I didn't feel like it had what the original Terminator movies managed to get and the nostalgia that people got from those. But <coughs> weirdly enough, I still feel weird nostalgia for the new one that just came out, Dark Fate, because it feels like isn't one of the main characters in that having like a 
nerfed version of the of the same Terminator silicone half whatever hybrid skin that Sam Worthington had in um, Salvation. That's the actress. Now I keep on forgetting Sam Worthington. Yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. forget about Sam Worthington at this I point. I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a spoiler though. Talking about the um, Mackenzie Davis's character. Well, so, it's in the trailer. Technically, they don't talk. They 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 said she's an augment, but they didn't go. They didn't specify to the point uh, in the trailer. Well, I mean, there's a shot for shot almost thing in the trailer that looks exactly like a scene from Salvation. True, but they're trying so desperately not to connect this to Salvation. This is only Terminator, term, the Terminator, Judgment Day, and now Dark Fate. Okay, okay, okay. Oh right, didn't uh. I'm trying to remember who the quote was from, but they're saying that they're kind of disregarding and using this as a direct sequel to T2. Yep. Oh, Pretty okay. much, they trying to they were trying to do what they did for Halloween, <laughs> and obviously that did not work. Yeah, they don't have Jamie Lee Curtis for that. No. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's um, to get us some. Um, we could keep on talking about Terminator, but I'll just say just right off the bat, there is no housekeeping for this week. Um, um, the only housekeeping um, that is going on is about the Marciano Art Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been in the news. That's more of a news story than a, um, than a housekeeping story. But right now we have nothing for housekeeping. Um, for news, we're, we we already well into talking about Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll jump back on Terminator. But uh, Terminator, any circus, and Colin Farrell are up for Alfred and Penguin, respectively. Yes, I saw that. And let me put this out there now before anybody else come at me on Twitter or on Instagram. No, Matthew McConaughey is not up for the role of Two Face. <laughs> it is a lie. Do not believe we got this covered. <laughs> it is a lie. There is no Two Face. I'm hearing that this Batman movie is based on the long Halloween. So do not believe the fact that it would be interesting to see Matthew McConaughey as Two Face. Huh. I hadn't really given it much thought. But and he, it would be interesting. I don't know if I'd like it, but it'd be interesting. And he was technically supposed to be in Captain Marvel. Really? Mm-hmm. Who was he supposed to be in Captain Marvel? Um, Jude Law's character. Oh. I think I like Jude Law in that better, though. I mean, having seen the movie, obviously, it's like, okay, well, I already see Jude Law as that character. But but I automatically thought Jude Law was going to be Marvel. Yeah, that's what a lot of people were saying. That was the speculation around when they had announced that, right? And then Marvel ended up being um, Annette Benning. Mm-hmm. Not anything is wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But using Annette Benning, I mean, like, you could use it a little more better. I mean, <laughs> she's a better actor than, I, I'm dare I say, Warren Beatty. And hmm. I sort of like Dick Tracy. Okay. <laughs> Now, as a kid, I had rose-colored glasses. Oh, okay. it's a big comic book ske- spectacle. Mm-hmm. As an adult, <laughs> rewatching Dick Tracy, mm-hmm. there's a lot of shit that would not fly in today's society. What comes out to mind Im- immediately in that? Um, the treatment of women. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Um, how Warren Beatty basically treats every woman. It, it's the treatment of women in general in that movie. Wow. And the and there's legit a scene of Madonna in a see-through dress. Is there really? Yes. See, I needed a reason to rewatch. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I actually saw this as a kid. I remember seeing this in theaters. I had the fucking Dick Tracy watch. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. But, yeah. You know, if they, <laughs> if they want to use Poison Ivy, Madonna could be Poison Ivy. But I know people are going to be like, 
the fuck does? <laughs> I mean, I could see that. I mean, I could see that if if they had played to uh, unfortunately like an older Poison Ivy at this point. But but I could see her have being cast as Poison Ivy, like say in the days of when Uma Thurman was. But Uma Thurman's just better. Yeah, yeah, I did enjoy her in that role. That's for sure. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for redheads though. Yeah, yeah. But now she's blonde. Hmm. I, I can't stand when people go blonde. When it's not your natural hair color. This is not the hair. This is not the hair color um, podcast either. So we're going to keep on going. Let's keep on going. Keep the tangent rolling. <laughs> um, uh, Disney is pushing the Avengers Endgame for fourteen Oscar categories. Right, right. And they had put uh, Robert Downey Jr. in as best supporting actor, even against his wishes. Yep. So that's going to be very interesting. We're going to go through the list of what are they are being nominated for. And we have listener questions. Listen, we finally got fucking listener questions. Let's find out. And that's going to be the majority. That'll probably be the majority of our episode. Because um, these we got some good questions, though. Oh, yeah. Um, one that's probably going to stump us, and it's kind of like a foreboding. We're working on getting a band, a metal band, on the next episode of the podcast. So tune in for that. That, is, that will be technically housekeeping. There you go. There you go. Now you have your first housekeeping item for the next one. <laughs> um, I will probably not touch on the Marciana Art Foundation because that is a, I wouldn't say it's a loaded, um, a talk. That probably be better, like a good mini talk with some, um, because if you don't know and those who are listening, right, um, the Marciana Art Foundation is a museum art gallery out in downtown LA in the, I would say, the Koreatown district of LA. Okay. Um, they have fired all of their attend- um, their attendees who pretty much help with visitor um, with vis- visitors coming in, ticket taking, uh, making sure um, people don't touch the art, um, give descriptions of art. Mm-hmm. They were only was they was only asking for a, a cost of living pay increase. Wow. And they wasn't going to get that, so they was going to unionize. Okay. What is their the art foundation's is... response? You're fired. Wow. And this was recently. This was on Tuesday the 5th. I would say the 5th or the 6th. This, wow. This past week. I hadn't heard of that. Um, and the owners of the Marciano Art, Marciano art Foundation are the creators of Guess. Of what? No, that's the that's the name of the company. Oh, guess. actually, guess. Yeah, oh guess. my god, <laughs> we're not playing that the who bit. No, this is the legit. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. They're, well, they're I couldn't. Fuck, I couldn't have guessed that. No. <laughs> they are literally fucking billionaires, and they can afford a cost of living upgrade, uh, pay increase. Now Let's I don't upgrade. Um, I'm actually trying to get in talks with. Um, I'm actually, I wouldn't say friends, but acquaintances with two artists. Um, that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much they are asking for, but I do know they are. The starting wage is fourteen dollars, fourteen dollars and twenty five cent. Which is, for the record, what only two dollars above minimum. Yeah, and I don't know how much they are asking for as an increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I'll have to do some investigative reporting on. Mm-hmm. Um, Stay hope- tuned for a possible remote segment. <laughs> um, hopefully, I can get one of them on an episode. Ooh. It'll probably be more likely would just be me and them, right, right, um, on an episode because um, they probably don't feel comfortable with multiple people around. Right. But um, it'd be more reminiscent of season one of the Giant Contraband Robot Podcast. Yeah, and there will be episodes where um, artist podcasts that I'm going. I'm still working on a season two of those artist podcasts. 
but I am trying to get um, an artist to talk about what's been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much get some like, wh- how much are they asking for? And but if if there is a cost of living increase, mm-hmm. it makes sense to go up to maybe five dollars, making yeah. nineteen an hour. Yeah, because I'm like, there are people who literally who will pay rent but they can't afford food. Yeah, or they will like pay partially of their rent, still not be able to afford food, but they can pay their rent. But only and also their utilities, but they can't still get food. Right? Isn't it like uh, I think the current metric is like on average, at least in California. I'm not sure if it's national, but at least in California, on average, most people's paycheck is about um, possibly about eighty percent of their paycheck is what actually goes towards their rent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I may be misquoting that, but I do remember it was a significant chunk of their actual everyday rent. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, uh, paycheck. <laughs> and. That really does not make no sense. And they was also in um, conjunction with working with other um, attendees to deal with um, the New York Metropolitan, um, pretty much museums or galleries that mm-hmm. are in New York, Chicago. They are, they're basically, I can see if they're working with men and women out from out there mm-hmm. in the East Coast, and there are, that means there are other gallery um, museums, art museums here in LA, they are probably underpaying their workers they're, yeah. they're basically the front line of the defense for the fucking man for management mm-hmm. so that that shows you not only in california this is also happening in other parts of the u.s right i mean I, I for some reason well not for some reason but it does feel like over the past couple of years the national attitude towards art in general as a education and as a study and as a living um, has been underappreciated and actually like underutilized and underfunded for some reason. Oh, it's always been. And um, as an artist myself, people will be like, not view art as like you just said as something that is. Um, can can you? They view it as something that they have a right to, or that uh, something that kind of exists, but is not necessarily. It's more like it's not profitable. Oh, right. So which means it's like going to college to get a philosophy, a philosophy degree, mm-hmm. knowing full well you're not going to get a job in philosophy. Right. Yeah. But being an artist, it does actually open doors. You can go. Pixar has an internship program. And if supposedly you, a really good one, right? Yeah. If you have a studio art degree, a digital media degree, or a fine arts degree, mm-hmm. Pixar has an internship program that can get you into the door to work for Pixar. Mm-hmm. Cartoon, I think Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon has programs for animators. Mm-hmm. There is ways for artists if if someone wants to go down the animation path. Mm-hmm. There is one. Teaching is one, and mm-hmm. then you have working artists, but you also have artists that actually produces material like skateboards or handbags, skate um, bicycles. Mm-hmm. Um, my professor. I uh, think of signage a lot too. Um, there's muralists. Mm-hmm. If you if you in the California area, Southern California area, and you go in Long Beach and you see all these murals, City of Long Beach hires artists to do murals for them. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know they were actually hired for that. Yeah. That's awesome though. Um, in here in Los Angeles, the MTA hires artists to create um, art pieces for the red line, mm-hmm. um, for the blue lines, and hence why you see all those art pieces all throughout the, um, yeah, the metro yeah. stations. Oh, okay. Um, there was a metro hub near Echo Park. Um, a f- one of the a big name artists, and I forgot his name, he had his piece on the building, mm-hmm. and Metro took it down. Really? But they did pay him a significant amount, though. 
<laughs> so you do get paid. If you are someone upstanding and you are a known artist, mm-hmm. you will see benefit. But in order for that to happen, you have to be shown right. and actually get your name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard Pharrell Williams of NERD paid like $10,000 for a piece of art from an upcoming artist. Wow. <laughs> so there is money to be made being an artist as opposed to someone who's going to fly. Don't mm-hmm. go to school for a philosophy major. Do something that actually will make you money. <laughs> that is my tip for to you for you all today. I love that. Like when you're when you're looking at it from the outside, somebody who doesn't understand an art degree would be looking at you and saying, "An artist is telling a philosophy major that." <laughs> and I'm like, at least I can. Make, I know I can make money. Right. Like I can reproduce. I can make skateboards and cut mm-hmm. maybe and charge them thirty bucks a fucking pop because I'm actually producing it. And for the record, your skateboards look amazing. By the way, check them out on whatever future site he may have them on. <laughs> They're currently on Instagram on my artist page. I need to start boosting that up. Yeah, yeah. Hey, promote yourself. What is your What is your IG art for your art page? I don't remember. <laughs> I legit don't. Housekeeping remember. item number two. <laughs> In a future episode. In a future episode. <laughs> um. But we we did spin up. Getting back onto the get, back get on onto track. your planned uh, questions. Um, we'll get to the questions at the end of the episode, though. But um, definitely check out the Marciano. What's going on with the Marciano Art Foundation and the artists that are everyone that works there are artists that works there, and well, they are they are emerging artists. They're not established artists. They're trying to get themselves out there that's what emerging artists is is Mm -hmm. trying to establish themselves within the art community and majority of those artists worked at the foundation Mm -hmm. and they're the ones who were fired you if you can't get any money to produce work you have to work menial there's nothing wrong with working at mcdonald's but that is taking time out of your not taking working that crazy ass hours at mcdonald's Mm -hmm. is taking time out of you producing work right right it's more you working to be able to actually have the opportunity to work, even though that catch-22 of it is you won't ever have any time to actually do what you want to do with your free time. Um, an artist I did get to meet, Mark Steven Johnson, he said he worked as a janitor. And oh. he said that afforded him the time to work on his art and clean for his job. Mm-hmm. I was like, that makes sense. You, if you can find a job that like you have, hell, elementary school. Mm-hmm. You're probably only working for like five hours out of the day. I mean, what are you gonna do at nap time? <laughs> you can you have a schedule book. You have you can just do what you want. But it's like jobs like McDonald's, Best Buy, Target, Walmart. Those fucking jobs that work their workers round the clock, especially during fucking Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Just coming up pretty soon too. Yeah, right which now, is super coming up. You're not gonna you're not gonna be afforded that time to actually produce any artwork. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's kind of like it takes away your opportunity when you yourself are trying to create it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that, what's coming up for future episodes. Where I'm definitely, like I said, become my investigative reporter self again and try to get some news on that. Great, great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> to get back on track, Sarah's back around. Um, Terminator Dark Fate. They this opening is on par with Terminator Genesis, which brought in only twenty seven million. Wow, really? I hadn't even realized that Genesis had made 
unfortunately only that amount of money it feels weird to say only that much when it's 30 million but either way when the movie costs easily triple that if not quadruple so right now it's global sum is 101.9 million globally and that's genesis now this is dark fate oh dark fate so wow they was supposed to project they was projected to make over 440 million this year i mean for the, the weekend the tornado dark fate came out domestically or globally in that domestically case. okay and so they're off by about 10 there oh it was basically off but here's the thing though those box office breakdowns don't mean shit anymore yeah yeah they really this, don't this literally proves it was if it was projected to make 40 million mm-hmm. it did not make it it only made 29 yeah yeah. So shoot, I mean, what Joker wasn't projected to make as much as it did, and now it's like the most uh, most highest grossing comic book movie right now. Yeah, they said all time. I'm like, get the fuck out! I'm like, when I see that, I'm like, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Avengers: Infinity War, Endgame. Yep, they all made more than Joker. Yeah, I think what they mean <laughs> for a rated R comic yes. book movie of all time. Yes. Because now that means it's Joker, Deadpool, then Blade. Yeah. <laughs> At least until the next Blade comes out, right? Whenever that would be. Mm. But that's going to be exciting. <laughs> Who did they get for the for, runner on that? Marshala Ali? There you go. Because I was not going to pronounce that dude's name. <laughs> God, I hope I got that right. You got it right. <laughs> uh, at least I think you did. Oh, uh, well, hopefully. Well, nobody knows my Twitter yet, so you can at me. Ha. <laughs> This is the this is the internet. They'll find you all. They'll find us. They'll find me. This is Skynet. They'll fucking find us. Oh god. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to drive the point, to try the to end this Terminator point. This, like we said at the at the start of the episode, this is not Halloween. Right. Halloween has. Um, it was there was always a Halloween movie mm-hmm. as long as I remember. Mm-hmm. And it was always uh, like a newer one. It was always fresh. The last ones was Rob Zombie ones. Right. And there are some people who like the Rob Zombie version. And there's some, there's the majority who love Halloween that did not. Right. Um, so those were still fresh in people's mind. So when they talk, when we, and then plus, I think Danny McBride, comedian <laughs> Danny McBride, wrote the Hollywood, um, the Halloween reboot. I think this goes back to something we were talking about on the last podcast, where isn't it kind of... Maybe the last podcast or what we were talking about before then, where isn't it interesting how we're starting to see a a resurgence of more comedic actors starting to write dramatic roles and starting to become more active in the actual um, creation of content rather than just performance. Yeah. And you see like a high emotional range as far as what's actually being put out there by comedians. I feel like that's actually really interesting because you have to be, I guess, connected to the emotional spectrum in some sort of way to be able to make people laugh. You have to also understand what makes people sad. <laughs> <coughs> or, in Danny McBride's case, scared. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not only that, the fact that Danny McBride helped make um, the Halloween reboot. Chris Rock is making the Saw reboot. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And that is, to some people, that's mind-boggling. Like, what does a com- and that's the thing. That they said, what does a comedian know about horror? Mm-hmm. Look at Jordan Peele with Us and Get Out. Yep, yep. Um, he also did Twilight Zone. Yeah, that actually came out surprisingly good. Did you see those? Mm. I liked them. I don't I, have I don't have CBS All Access. Oh, okay. So I, I can't see. I, can't I had see it for a short amount of time. 
<laughs> um, John Krasinski of The mm-hmm. Office fame. Right. Um, oh, fuck. A Quiet Place. Yeah, Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2. Yeah, well, wait. The, it, sec- the second one didn't come out yet, right? No, it's, not, it's coming out soon. I was going to say, did I still, stay under the rock? <laughs> but it's still, it's it's um, someone who's known for comedy yeah. only as he co-written it mm-hmm. and he directed it and yeah. starred in it. Mm-hmm. So you have those, just those two, and you got Chris Rock. We haven't seen anything from Saul yet. Yeah. But it's still the fact that, oh, shit, Chris Rock is doing a Saw movie. He didn't happen to have a hand in Jigsaw, right? I mean, no, he's reboot. They're rebooting Saw with Chris Rock's. It's going to be Chris Rock's version. I love how but they I, tried to do a reboot. It didn't f- work, and they're going to do another reboot. No, Jigsaw was a sequel. Well, it was. Well, it was not a reboot. It was just a sequel. I but mean, James Wan is uh, apparently, I think, I don't know. I'll, once again, do some investigative reporting. I heard James Wan is helping Chris Rock with this um, Saw reboot. Well, that'll be good. Because I did see Jigsaw, and J- I-, I did like it, but it did feel like a reboot to me. Because <laughs> even though, yeah, it is a direct sequel, because, I mean, I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert for Jigsaw, um, it does have to do, obviously, with the previous actual, like, first movie. Yeah. And uh, it-, it directly references the serial killer from the first one. But it does feel like a sequel, but to me also a reboot because they're trying to give you that idea of, okay, there's other people, even though in this case it might be a copycat, there are other people that are paying attention to what happened in the first storylines. Yeah. And they're trying to trying to recreate that. So I did enjoy it for what it was, but if they're going to make a reboot with Chris Rock, I'd be much happier if they reconnected back to the original franchise because you can't even say that, that it the sequels were reboots or anything because they are direct continuations of what happened in the previous movie. Yeah. That mu- that blew my mind when I first saw them because I saw them first all together in one go because they had put them all on Netflix not too long ago. I hadn't even seen them until recently. It was like maybe two years ago that I saw them all. But I saw all eight of them within a time span of like two days and they directly <sighs> continue each other. So I hadn't seen something like that in movies done other than just you know shows it was basically a show but every episode was two hours long i haven't seen um i have yet to see i've seen saw one and that was it you see saw yeah just that was it <laughs> see saw yeah sorry wow. i had to make the joke i had to make the joke sorry <laughs> um but yeah to get back on point it's you can't like i said you can't be halloween and Actually, Halloween is getting a sequel. Two sequels at that. <laughs> and they just showed a set photo of Jamie Lee Curtis looking all bloody mm-hmm. from head to toe. So that would be something interesting to see. Hmm. She's going to go full carry. <laughs> to go on from the supernatural evil and horror to the super, the CW has picked up with Superman and Lois, a present-day drama based off the DC character of Superman starring Tyler Hoechlin, to me it's I see Hulkling but there is an episode of Clyder Live that like that he was on there Mm -hmm. he said he was going to be in the crossover but he can't say he didn't say he didn't confirm at the time that he was going to be in the crossover Mm -hmm. he said he's aware of it Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like literally a week after he was on that episode uh, the Hollywood Reporter Superman actor Tyler Hulkling will come in for the crossover yeah actually I did see that article and now, literally a month later, now they're announcing that he will be in a TV show, his own TV show with um, former Grimm actress Elizabeth Tullock. I can never pronounce her fucking name right. I think it. I think it's Tullock. Tullock. Yeah. 
but they're playing Lois and Clark. Um, they continue their roles as Lois and Clark. Hmm. Um, the premise of the show. Yeah, read that little blurb there. It's very interesting. That last part specifically. <laughs> it's only. Um, it's only. It's, it's a small blurb. Um, they're dealing with the stress pressures and complexities that come with being a hardworking parents in today's society. Um, small spoiler, but it also happens in the comic books, so it's not really a fucking spoiler if you read the comic books. <laughs> well, but, nothing's a spoiler if you read the comics at this point. <laughs> um, in, this, in the crossover, you find out Lois is pregnant with Superman's child. Mm-hmm. In the comic books, that child came to be John Kent, mm-hmm. which is named after um, um, pa, uh, Jonathan right. Kent. Right. Um, but in the comic books, she had the child naturally. Mm-hmm. In the show, Superman said, I'm going to go back to Kara, um, Kara's home. Um, fuck. Oh, fuck. Kandor. Oh, okay. Kandor City. Um, you find out Brainiac had Kandor City. So they brought it back. Mm-hmm. So Superman said he's going to live there with mm-hmm. Lois so she, um, since he would be more human there. And that means his child would be more human. Mm-hmm. So she can have a natural childbirth instead of the overarching fear of oh the child will rip her body open if you read the boys there's something similar to that oh wow wow um man i gotta get into the boys i forgot about that that is a, is a fucked up comic i'll tell you that yeah well, i mean i hear the same thing of the show so the i show, can only imagine what the comic's doing i'll say this before on this small tangent the show does follow the comic to a certain extent okay the season's finale mm-hmm. total deviation Ah, uh, okay I mean, a hundred percent deviation. Mm-hmm. So, it's the boys is good with an asterisk. <laughs> Umbrella Academy is good with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. It follows the comics to a certain extent, but but here's something that I've learned. I would say around my early, my late twenty, early twenty, late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Not everything can be a hundred percent adapted from the comic books into a live action setting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because what works in the comics won't work on TV. Right. Or I mean, in film. It's a completely different medium at that point. Yeah. So, so like, we use the Watchmen as an example. In the mm-hmm. Watchmen, it was a big giant tentacle monster. Right. In the, at the end of the comic. Right. In the movie, it was just, they said Dr. Manhattan was the one who created the, um, the explosions. Right. So, that makes sense. Because nobody's not, gonna, not going to accept a big fucking tentacle monster. That's the one thing I'm like, probably Zack Snyder did have that problem. I'm like, I don't think this is going to fly in a movie. Let's do it this way. Let's use Dr. Manhattan as the scapegoat, which makes mm-hmm. plenty of sense. Yeah. And yeah. I give Zack Snyder to that. It wasn't, it was a deviation, but it wasn't one that was made out of just pure, hey, let's be different than the comic. It was made out of like necessity. How do we explain this in a more, unfortunately, because it is adapted to film, a more realistic quote unquote yep. standpoint. You know, as realistic as you can get with a storyline like that. So to to piggyback on that, it makes sense for Lois and Clark to go to another planet where Superman knows he'll be more human there. Mm -hmm. And she'll be um, the child and the the fetus Mm will be more human. Right. So she won't deal with she'll have a natural childbirth into a instead of a boy, the boys style. Yeah. Gruesome death of Lois giving birth to a kid. It's like more akin to what uh, season whatever of Walking Dead when the kid was born. <laughs> oh, that was season I want to say three. They were in the prison still. It was in the prison, and she died giving birth. Well, I mean, technically, because di- they said that because they didn't have the doctor, she gave she technically died giving birth. Right. 
because they had to do a C-section. She right. was going to, since you don't have the medical necessities to do it. Right. And that's why Carl, we didn't see it, but Carl, you still hear the shot. Yeah, yeah. Carl killed her. And then, wait, I'm trying to remember, because it's been so long ago. Was it, uh, was it Maggie that cut the baby out, or was it Carl yeah. that cut the baby out? Maggie. Maggie, Maggie, yeah, because the whole thing was like, we can't leave him in there because then he'll start eating her from the inside if she, if she can't push the baby out. Baby's going to die, all that stuff. So it's like, I would imagine why Superman doesn't want that to happen to Laura's Lane. <laughs> so I'm like, so it's going to be interesting to see this show, but I hope what they don't do, there was a storyline where they thought this kid was theirs. Mm-hmm. There was a kid that was theirs, and his, he was aging up quick. Oh, Okay. If they're going to have a kid in the show, which means when the crossover comes, that means the kid is an infant by this point. Right. Because it technically hasn't been a full year Mm -hmm. since the last crossover, which which means the kid should be either one years old Mm -hmm. or still maybe 11 to 10 months old. Okay. Well, they're talking about struggles of being new parents, so hopefully that would keep them in like a low range with the kid. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that means they're going to be pulling from the bio Michael, Brian Michael Bendis run of Superman, mm-hmm. where Superman was dealing, being a parent, him and Lois being parents, mm-hmm. dealing with uh, infant son. But the thing is, though, Jonathan's, uh, Jonathan Kent was already around 10, 11 mm-hmm. years old. So it was more like dealing with a son who wants to be a superhero, but the, su- the father don't want the son to be a hero. Right. And then just like, all right, this is how you can control your powers. Mm-hmm. So I know it's going to be the opposite effect, and I hope they don't like they throw in like, oh, my son already has our son already has laser vision. Mm-hmm. Now just gradually, if you yeah. get like a season seven, mm-hmm. then you introduce the yeah. kid having full on powers. Yeah, I would honestly, I know it would take forever, but I would really like the payoff of having something like that be built up over the seasons. Yeah. You know, because I feel like there's this there's this weird thing going on in Hollywood where it's like, hey, we have this great idea. Let's push it out as quick as fucking possible. Yeah. And let's, in that, like, race to push it out and be the first one to actually show it, let's not worry that much about how we're going to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. But um, the actor who played Jimmy Olsen in Supergirl left the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can do movies. He's writing. He wrote a book that's coming out soon. He's um, past the CW now. But here's the interesting thing, though, and that's one of the reasons why he did leave Supergirl. He's playing Jax in um, Jax Briggs in the Mortal Kombat movie. Really? Huh. I knew they were going to do a new Mortal Kombat, but I haven't heard much about it since. Oh, they already cast it. Did they really? Yeah, this is, but they cast it all before we actually officially started this podcast. Oh, my God. I got to get out from under that rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they um they got a Luke Kane, actually that I did hear. I don't I, actually I think I don't know if they did announce Luke Kane. They did say the last casting they did pick was the dude who played the Black Ranger, in the Power Rangers movie. Yes, but they didn't say he's Luke Kane though. Oh, I thought I heard that. I'm like, who the fuck is he playing? If he's not Luke Kane, huh. I was like, I'm thinking he is Luke Kane because they said his role him and um, he was Shadowstar in Deadpool too. Um, oh right, um, yes. Oh God, is Louis be- Tan. Yes, his role is secret. Okay, I'm like, oh, then he has to be Sub Zero's brother because they already got Sub Zero. They have the actors playing Sub Zero, and they already have the actor. He was the Yakuza leader in Avengers Endgame, 
the one that Hawkeye killed at the start. Yes, yes. He's playing Scorpion. I'm like, oh, that's a good choice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember that actor's name, but yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, they did um, the, oh, the main dude from The Raid, he's playing, um, actually, no, he's playing Swordmaster in Snake Eyes, the G.I. Oh, Joe movie. right, 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 right. I think he's playing Raiden. I heard he's playing Raiden. Oh, that would be good. I'm like, oh, shit, they're going with, instead of going for a white person, they're going for an Asian person. I'm like, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Um, the actress, the main actress from, um, I forgot the name of the movie. It was, a horror, it was a horror movie where she was getting married and they have to sacrifice the bride in order for the family not to be murdered by the devil. Oh, I heard about this one. I, I heard forgot, about this I forgot one. the name of the fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name either. But oh. that actress is playing Sonya Blade. Okay. But they haven't rebuilt who's playing Gina Cage is not listed anywhere on this on the casting list. Huh. I'm thinking if it's Louis Tan, mm-hmm. he could either be he could be the new Johnny Cage. Okay. Or he could be um Scorpion I mean Sub Zero's brother. Which would you prefer him in? I think <laughs> I would say because he's he's already an actor, mm-hmm. but he's a martial artist who likes doing his own stunts. Right. It would make sense to make him the new Johnny Cage. It would make sense. But I mean, and people are gonna bitch. Oh, you're gonna have an Asian actor playing? Like, on the contrary, he's half Asian, half white. He even said it himself. But he identifies as Asian. Hmm. I mean, hey, if ScarJo can be in Ghost in the Shell, and no one's gonna say shit about that. We don't that. talk about Ghost in the Shell on this podcast. <laughs> okay. If man. you ever listen to Nerds Against the World, we we tore Ghost in the Shell a new one. All right. All so right. We don't talk about Ghost in the Shell. We don't talk about Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> we, not me, you and me, on this new venture on this podcast. Got you. We, 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 that doesn't come up. Got you. <laughs> um, it would it, it would make sense for an Asian actor to change their name, like if whatever his original name is, to Johnny Cage to be more star power. Yeah, yeah. Like they could easily explain it like that. And yeah, I would like to see him in those martial arts scenes for sure. You're gonna need a very highly athletic actor for Johnny Cage for sure. Yeah, so I would I would that would be definitely cool. And he was always my choice for fucking um, Iron Fist. Ooh yeah, that'd be good. Like they, I'm already hearing another tangent on a tangent. Mm-hmm. I was hearing they was gonna put Iron Fist in Shang Chi. I hope I don't they don't. Know, I don't know if it's true, but if they do put Iron Fist in Shang Chi, they should go for Louis Tan. Yeah, yeah, the casting would be good. I just hope they don't do that, just because I feel like if you're gonna do Shang Chi, especially with the fact that a lot of the mainstream does not is not very aware of Shang Chi, yeah. like make it his own movie. Don't bolster it with another with another Marvel hero a, Marvel, big, a, yeah. a bigger name Marvel hero at that yeah exactly because it's like they try to pull it off as this like oh they're passing the torch kind of thing even though technically no technically it would be like you setting up like what they did for um, Black Widow and Iron Man and yeah. Iron Man 2 you know eventually she's gonna be in another Marvel film and she's gonna get her own movie but like mm-hmm. how long it took for Black Widow to get her own film since Iron Man 2 exactly it'll probably be more likely like that and how 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 much do you think that has to do with the fact that because we saw her so early on and we saw her already in a well-established series that it took longer to make that because we were already used to seeing her on screen. We go, oh, well, if we can see her at least in this movie, maybe we don't need to make the movie yet. Honestly, I would not know because... I would say that have to be a factor. Kevin Feige, though, he said he always has a plan. Hmm. And I'm going to trust, trust the fact that he always has a plan on what to make. All right, Murdoch. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. 
All right, all right. I trust you. And he even just recently said that this was not on our news um, category. Mm-hmm. Um, we're done with Superman. We're going to move on to uh, Marvel because we already talked about Marvel. <laughs> but we both are excited for a Superman TV series. Yeah. Um, I'd I'll like s- to see something on sc- on the small screen that's adapted well. Um, but I will say this to end this all this part off so we can get into talking about um, a little bit about Marvel and then we go into listener questions. Mm-hmm. Um Jensen Ackles, the star of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. We did talk about him a little bit. He can be TV Batman. Yes, we did talk about that. He can definitely... There's pictures right now on his Instagram, or you can go on comicbook.com. Mm-hmm. Him and a full... I don't like the cowl that he used for Batman. Mm-hmm. Make him look like too much like Michael Keaton. <laughs> well, that's probably an artist uh, an artist choice at that point. But there was there's probably someone who made the suit and was like, use this cowl. Yeah. And, something else too yeah but um the dude looks legit mm-hmm. he can definitely be batman he ha- he's got the chin for it <laughs> he has the chin for it he was already red hood for under the red hood yeah um and he there's an episode of supernatural where a woman asks who is you who are you and he yells out and a in a he did his voice is already deep and right. he's like i'm batman <laughs> i'm like if that couldn't be the ultimate foreshadowing <laughs> and he's at an age where he could be an older, but he's in his 40s. Oh, yeah. He can be seasoned Batman at that point. Because um, they said he, um, Batwoman was in her, she was 11 when she lost her sister and her mother and Batman tried to save them. Mm-hmm. So he's at that age where he could, you can do, when you do a flashback, he's young enough looking to be a younger looking Batman mm-hmm. but he's also old enough to be a more like you said a more seasoned Batman mm-hmm. he could be TV's Batman yeah and Supernatural is ending in May of 2020 Ooh. wow it, and Supernatural wow that's been going on for a while though too huh this is their 15th season is it still wait I'm trying to remember did Russell T Davies have anything to do with that show no no I'm mixing up Doctor Who that's why because I know it's like the like there's somebody that worked on Sherlock and Doctor Who and <coughs> the, um, Supernatural all within you know the same um, amount of time frame, but I can't remember who it was. The actor who played um, there's a there was an actor who played a demon on Supernatural. Right. He was on Doctor Who, Torchwood. Yes, yes. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh my what god. He plays. He, oh. he was on X Files back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but, God, what was his name? I can't remember now. But besides the point. Uh, <laughs> going back, coming back. <laughs> Jensen Ackles as Batman. He can be yeah. on the same screen as Tyler Hoechlin and as Superman. We get a, we can get a fucking crossover with Batman and Superman. I'd, I'd ra- much rather watch that TV DCU rather than the whatever they're going to call the movie one. <laughs> I know, the movie was, I'm not, I'm not, and we're going to have a DC movie question um, in, the, in the listener question section that I'm not, I'm not digging at all. Yeah, I'm but, wondering, I'm wondering how I'm going to answer that one too. I think I know what you're saying. But about. I haven't, I do have an answer for that one though. Okay. Um, to, so moving on to the Marvel Universe, Disney is pushing um, for 14 categories in, and this is the most, they, mm-hmm. this is more than they did for Black Panther. Hmm. I wonder why they're doing that. 14 categories, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm -hmm. And it also goes on to say Best Picture, which we just said, Best Director, which means Joe and Anthony Russo will be sharing, the if they win, Mm -hmm. they will be sharing the award. Hell, they directed both movies back to back. Yeah. 
and was there for the editing process. That's dedication, to say the least. <laughs> and they directed over 32 actors total. Main character actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking dedication. That's no small achievement at the very least. Because if it was just one single director, they'll mm-hmm. fucking like, have a fucking mental breakdown. I'm trying to remember if we mentioned this on the last podcast. Did we talk about um, Scorsese's comments towards like the legitimacy of Marvel movies? I'll say this. I don't care. Yeah, right. I really, I really don't because as an artist, I get what Scorsese is saying, but that is about it. The comic book side of me is like, I, I don't care. It's like, I'll say it like this before we go on to like the, the rest of the categories. As an artist, I get what he's saying that comic book films are taking up space for independent features. Right. And studios are focusing more on characters that have established histories like Spider-Man or mm-hmm. The Witcher. Right. If it doesn't have a comic book, it doesn't have a novel, it's not an existing novel, comic book, or an existing character is not your an original screenplay that you wrote, written or you want to direct, it's not going to ever get shown. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, that sucks. Yeah. And I get and I get that side of what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I agree with him, the MCU films, they're fine. Mm-hmm. They, I can legit say they are fine. There are some, but the one I do disagree with on the emotional um, and possibly you don't have an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. You can technically have an emotional connection with these films. Yeah. Civil War. If you have a friend that says one thing and does another, you're going to have a conflict with that friend. Yeah. And we all had that before. Yeah, of course. Um, Iron Man, his al- it, and we see it throughout the films, he has alcoholism. Yeah. Narcissism. That he has actual human problems, mm-hmm. but he's dealing with them. Yes, he's dealing with them in a more fantastical way, but there's some things you can pull, like, oh, th- I'm not like Tony Stark, but there's certain things about Tony Stark that I am dealing with. Yeah, shoot. Um, you can look at Thor and say how you have, you know, a fucked up relationship with family sometimes. Yeah, and despite then, the fact that you try in the end to be as civil as possible, even though obviously it's high fantasy. Yep, and then spoilers for Endgame, Thor had PTSD after, if, like, t- technically after he lopped off Thanos' head. Technically, he lost. Yeah, he be- even though he became Fat Thor and it was. Um, more on the comedic side of things if you mm-hmm. look at it indefinitely Thor has PTSD yeah he is not going to recover anytime soon yeah it's something that like literally stuck with him and actually changed his character in a significant way yeah. again they pulled it off comedically by making him fat Thor and then what was it like the you know that whole crap with Fortnite Lebowski yeah all the Fortnite stuff but he has like there are people who I've seen who don't read comic books or or critics. They say it's a it's a repeated formula with the MCU, but they're not really looking at it. Like they're not really looking at it on an emotional scale mm-hmm. as we are. Mm-hmm. And but as someone who's not who doesn't like who doesn't like reading Marvel or DC comics anymore, mm-hmm. that side of me is like to me it's just a comic book movie. Right, I, I really don't care. Right, um, but I'm going to see because. Now this would be the one sad caveat. My mother saw like she passed in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. She's seen a teaser of Iron Man, mm-hmm. but she passed well before Iron Man came out. Mm-hmm. So seeing these films and seeing it with my grandmother, 
is the only reason those are my emotional connections to watch every MCU film mm-hmm. and by way of extension these crappy ass DC films yeah I mean shoot <clears throat> I, I, I completely missed the boat on Justice League but everybody tells me it's completely fine that I didn't watch it, it. <laughs> it's it's an okay movie mm. I wouldn't call it a film it's an okay movie okay okay but the artist part of me is like I agree with Mark Scorsese to a certain extent mm-hmm. um but then at the end of the day, I just don't care. He okay. has he has been in the business for almost 40, fucking 40 plus years. Yeah. He can say wherever the fuck he wants. Yeah, yeah. Now, the ones who come after him talking about comic book movies, you just need to shut the fuck up. You're just doing it for the limelight. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, it feels like... Mr. Francis Ford Coppola, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> it your your like- only good fucking movie is The Godfather. The Godfather. I'm not talking about yeah. part two or the third one, just the fucking first one. Right, right. <laughs> Dick. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but going going back, coming back from the tangents like we always do. Um, feels like it's gonna be a common theme. The third um, nominations that Marvel put in for the um, best adapted screenplay, Marcus um, Stephen McFeely. Wait, I'm gonna fuck the good names. Christopher Marcus. And Stephen McFeely are the ones who written um, Endgame, Infinity War, and Endgame. Oh, okay. So they were the ones that were actually behind the writing of that. Mm-hmm. And they also written Captain America, the Win- um, Captain America, the First Avenger, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Arguably, the the pillars of what would you would consider the first ten years of oh, yeah. of the MCU universe. So they're the longest running the longest writing team for any of them if you really look at it mm-hmm. they're the ones who they're the ones who did the most MCU films than any other uh, Marvel writers wow <laughs> wow and on top of that some of the most influential ones too when you look at the history of the franchise yep now this is the biggest one mm-hmm. best supporting actor oh yeah Robert Downey Jr Chris Evans uh-huh. Mark Ruffalo Chris Hemsworth Jeremy Renner Josh Brolin Paul Rudd and Don Cheadle wait they put all of them up Yes. Oh my God! Because it was all together in the movie, so they would be technically considered supporting actors. Okay. Supporting actress: Scarlett Johansson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Zoe Saldana, Cara Gillian, and Brie Larson. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, so imagine I would, even though this would never fucking happen, but imagine they did win Best Supporting and then Best Supporting Actress. Just imagine all those actors coming up for those for the award. Yes, it would piss off fucking Hollywood. That yeah, yeah. but I'm like, here's the thing though, Don Cheadle was nominated for an Oscar at one time. Yeah, Josh Brolin won an Oscar at one time. Yeah, um, Mark Ruffalo and Jeremy Renner, and Robert Downey Jr. all was nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. So you have Oscar winning and Oscar nominated actors. Brie Larson, before she was cast, two years before she was cast in. Infinity War and her own movie she won an Oscar yeah literally after she won her Oscar she was cast as Captain Marvel <laughs> I feel like they were probably waiting for her outside of the like the Oscar that she actually won and was just there with the script and just like hey can you sign this so that you can take your Oscar home with you but apparently she was already in negotiations with Marvel a long time ago though. I mean obviously obviously I'm joking but yeah. they really would have been planning that already for years um, Gwyneth Paltrow I think is a former Oscar winner for um, I think I think that Shakespeare movie back in the day. Oh yeah, Wait, was that Shakespeare in Love or am I, I think, thinking Akira Knightley? I think it was Shakespeare in Love. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Huh. 
Um, best cinematography. Why? Why isn't um? I would want to. I would actually want to see. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on their names, but the but two of the main supporting actors in Black Panther, the but was they it? was already dusted. They was um. Well, it, which one is up for for a nomination? Infinity War or Endgame? Endgame. It, it, they already Infinity War was like already that already that ship already sailed. Endgame, right? In, Infinity War would have been nominated for an Oscar from this year's Oscars. Mm. This would be this is for next year's. Oh, for next year's. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, Trent Oplock. Trent Oplock. Oplock is the cinematographer for Endgame. Hmm. Best film editing. Um, best production design. Best costume design. That I kind of agree with, honestly. Best hair and makeup. Yeah, I can see that one. Best sound mixing. I mean, when you have, what is it, John Williams making the score for stuff like that, of course you're going to be nominated for something like that. The sound mixing, so it's more like for sound effects. Oh, best oh sound okay. editing. sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting my uh, professions mixed up there. Um, best sound editing. Best visual effects. Um, I, I would say the the end battle had me like, yeah. <laughs> For the record, you're clapping. Yes. <laughs> to our listeners out there, I'm clapping. <laughs> Best original score, Alan Silvestri. He should fucking win that. Yeah, yeah, that I yeah, I agree with you on that because I mean the the music, the score behind everything, it actually was extremely very. I don't know. It communicated emotion in a way that is very apt for something like that. Yeah. I, I recently rewatched the uh, the final scene of Endgame because you know you go through Facebook and it always pops up you know, like different scenes, at least for my feed. And I rewatched that, and you know I'm getting used to rewatching videos on Facebook without yeah. sound. But for whatever reason, this time I was just like, you know what? Let me actually listen to it. I forgot how well scored that was. Yeah. It it was so connecting to the actual moment. At that, I completely agree with. Because it, it, it gets you that emotional, and it's like mm-hmm. you hear you hear Sam and Cap's earplug, and yeah, like, and you hear the crescendo coming up, and then it's like all the portals open. I'm just hearing the music right yeah. now in my head, uh-huh. and I'm just like that nice little callback on your left. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like definitely sound. If anything, sound, sound mixing, and the score, they should definitely win. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I mean. I'm trying to think of other examples from other movies that would have been also nominated, but I feel like costume design is probably one of the better ones that they could also win to. Yeah. Just because when you look at how many hours and how involved it was to make anything like that, obviously for Endgame they had to deal with so many different textiles and patterns for all the different like themes of like like you said how many uh, main actors 32, 35. At least about 32. Exactly. So think of how many action uh, action ready like camera main scenes are using a lot of the what's it called i'm trying to remember the the actual term for it they call it a um a uh, uh, act, uh it's a specific term for the the close up costumes i'm trying to remember what it is because they they normally have multiple versions of the costumes which is a whole other thing they have to make multiple versions of everything for the different angles and for the different purposes okay. of the scene. Then costume design should also win one as well. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. The costume design would probably be up there with everything else. Okay. I saw the behind the scenes of some of the costume design that it took for Black Panther and the, the level of detail of stuff that they did. It's like when they went over how many different regions that they wanted to represent in scenes like the waterfall battles and like when they were addressing the queen 
right? Yeah, they, I think she mm-hmm. won. I think she won an Oscar for Black Panther for best costume design. I think they did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. And, um, and she's coming back. I heard she's coming mm-hmm. back for Black Panther too. That's gonna be a great. You know, I found out that a lot of the pieces actually had 3D printed parts on them. I didn't realize that. Like that whole headdress that the queen is wearing, like right when they first land in. Because um, I think she said there was, it was like certain things they couldn't make. They had to like. 3D print them. Yeah, they had to actually have people engineering the geometric shapes they wanted to recreate on that. It was actually really interesting to see stuff like that. Because it had to look, it had to look more, it had to look like it's from Africa, Africa, but more futurized. Right. So it has to be more Afrofuturist. That's the term, ladies and gentlemen, Afrofuturism. <laughs> and you want to see a representation of good Afrofuturism art? Joshua Mays on Instagram, dope ass artist of all time. Got to check out that stuff. All right, so we're going to go into listener questions. Let's see. So question one is from Calvin Robinson. His question is, do you think we see the end of the DC Universe app? Ooh, that is a good question. You know, I think, unfortunately, it's very possible. Only because of mainly the ratings more than anything. I wouldn't, uh, to me, I would counter, I'll I'll let you finish, then I'll counter. No, okay. Well, based on the information that I have, I would say we probably would see the end of the DC Universe app, only because of how they're treating the actual um, shows. They have a lot of original content, I'll give them that. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it seems like most of that content isn't really passing, like, the first seasons. At the very least, two seasons, but most of them, like, for example, what is it, the Swamp Thing? That was more, I would say, that was more on terms of back office type of thing. Yeah. That bleed into projection. But then it went from Because it went from a 13-episode season to mm-hmm. an 11-episode season. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, we're canceling the show. Mm-hmm. What happened behind the scenes? That is the cause of the show. Because it was exactly. highly rated, mm-hmm. universally loved, mm-hmm. and you cancel it. DC universally loved? <laughs> Warner Brothers, pull the plug. Yeah. And Warner Brothers is, has been expanding a lot recently too. I mean, shoot, now they're they're partners now with one of my favorite um, one of my favorite online entertainment companies, Rooster Teeth. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Yeah, I heard about that. Cause what do you they, think Because I saw Rooster Teeth doing a Batman anniversary. Yeah, they got actual licensing, so that way they could actually uh, make products for it. Yeah, but I have no, I have no, uh, no comment. No comment on Rooster Teeth because I don't watch a lot of their content. All right, all right, no but, problem. Um, now I want people on Twitter to at me so I can talk about this. <laughs> but um, to counteract your point, though, I mm-hmm. think is because um, I want to say ratings because Doom Patrol tightens to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, don't forget Young Justice season three. Right, right. All universally rated well, despite certain episodes of Titans, mm-hmm. it still does. It's still viewed very well. Mm-hmm. It's more the behind the scene things with DC Universe. Mm-hmm. And certain like Doom Patrol season two is going to HBO Max, then DC Universe. Why? Yeah, that, <laughs> that is doesn't make thing. any sense. It's already on DC Universe. But again, like you're saying, it's probably back office type stuff. Yeah, and, and then you hear yeah. Stargirl was supposed to was supposed to come out this year. Mm-hmm. But now I'm here and they want to recut some of those episodes because they're suited for DC Universe. They want to put them on the CW. So how do they... And now... What? And I'm also hearing they want to put Stargirl on HBO Max, but still come out on DC Universe. What? So, and then, then they recently announced Green Lantern, the TV series. Now, we don't know which Green Lantern they're going to use, because mm-hmm. there are several. Right. And 
we're not going to take much time me naming all the Green Lantern Earth group, Earthbound Green Lanterns, but easy answer. There's four. No. <laughs> now I'm after. <laughs> Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner. Those are the Simon, four I know. Simon Bass and Jessica Cruz. Okay, I'm not up to date on the other two then. Um, Simon Bass is Armenian. Okay. Jessica Cruz, obviously, Mexican. Okay. I mean, why obviously? She could be, you know, from Santa Cruz. Or she, Hell. well. No, I'm just, I'm just no, actually, let me not say obviously Mexican because she could also be, Cruz can either be Salvadorian. Yeah. Um, Argentinian. She's, it could be from a number of Latin countries. Yes. But they have said she is Mexican-American, though. Okay. Okay. Get away, uh, I can't. I can't say. I can't say. Obviously, but not everyone has read right. her Green Lantern comic books. Mm-hmm. Would you so, recommend them as a read? Is it a good story? She is. If you're someone who suffers agoraphobia, mm-hmm. her comics is a good read because she's an agoraphobic who huh. did not. She got the ring because a lantern died near her. Oh wow! And that's the ring and the ring chose her, and she kept on for a good number of her issues. She was like questioning and just like having mental breakdowns. Why this fucking like basically why this ring is choosing me mm-hmm. to be a Green Lantern? Huh? And she does not want to go, and she went through something very traumatic herself. Uh-huh. So that's very interesting how that how that would play into actually bringing up mental health as a subject again in comics. Yeah. So it would be very interesting if they went that route and use her for the Green Lantern show mm-hmm. and it would make a hell of a lot more sense you have an agoraphobic out in space mm-hmm. working with maybe and maybe a few episodes she's working with Hal Jordan and Hal Jordan's like I have to do something for the Justice League mm-hmm. you have to do this on your own Yeah, and he flies off and it's her alone again mm-hmm. and just her like, seeing her deal with being a Green Lantern knowing that she does not like being out in the open now she's out in fucking space literally the most open place she could physically be yeah and and I like her progression in the comic books where mm-hmm. now she is now she's more comfortable being out in the open mm-hmm. and she's traveling through galaxies as mm-hmm. a Green Lantern hmm. she's like I want to now she's like now she has that will I want to travel now uh-huh. I want to be the hero that I want to be uh-huh. that would be obvious cool. a choice to use her yeah but Still, at the end of the day, fucking HBO has <laughs> HBO Max has fucking Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. And it's, there's no at least we know Doom Patrol is coming on coming back for season two in DC Universe. Mm-hmm. There's no word what the fuck about um, Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's gonna end. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna get absorbed into HBO Max. Hmm. So it'll have you have your HBO Max. That'd be interesting. And then a little tab for DC Universe. Now, yes, they'll probably let you still use DC Universe separate, which yeah. means, but you won't have all the luxuries of having HBO Max. I guess maybe, may, well, theoretically, you could also say that the other way around, but that would be more for the comic fan. Yeah. Because it's like, I guess if they were to absorb uh, DC Universe and add it into the app, that would be that would be an <laughs> easy way to consume the uh, visual content, or at least the media content. Mm-hmm. But um, And the comic, the comic content. That, that's where um, most of the... Majority. Mm-hmm. That's what I would assume. Majority of the users that use DC Universe mm-hmm. is because the back catalog of comic books, mm-hmm. and also the entire run of Batman the animated series is yeah. updated in 4K. Yeah. On DC Universe. Yeah. The the Batman, back catalog is literally why I got DC Universe. Batman Beyond the remaster is mm-hmm. on. It's now officially on DC Universe. Yeah. So I really want to rewatch that. Um. 
it's oh even Young Justice season four is coming to HBO Max and it will still come to DC Universe. God, I gotta get I, HBO Max now. Is that HBO what I'm Max in? will come out May 2020 and it'll be fifteen dollars a month. Man, somebody did a breakdown online that um, if you signed up for all the services that you would theoretically want to be able to watch the it's, maximum amount of it's, content. It's, it's, it was IGN. It would be basically like you spit in as much as cable. It was but, like $90, something like that. But here's the thing, though. Technically, nah. Because cable is upwards to almost $200 now. Really? Yes. I remember when I when we stopped life, paying for cable, it was like 120 Mine was 164 Oh, my God. And I was like, fuck that. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with not watching TV anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's why we jumped ship and just went to all internet content pretty yeah. much. Um, Netflix, for me, is... Now, the people who has not been with Netflix since day one are the ones who are paying fourteen ninety nine a month. I'm paying twelve ninety nine a month for Netflix. Yo! <laughs> so, I don't know about y'all. I'm sorry about y'all who's paying 14 but I've been there since day one. I feel like somebody in about two years is going to be saying the same shit about uh, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and that'll be me. Yeah. I pre-signed up. You guys are paying that much a month, but I'm paying $2 less. I think there are people <laughs> who's going to be paying maybe $10 a month, and I'm only going to be paying about uh, $7 a month. I'm going to be paying 10 because I didn't pre-order in time. <laughs> um, let me see. I have Spotify. Now, to preface this, because I already had like almost 100 people on IGN coming after me. If you did not start Spotify as a student mm-hmm. or get it when you got either premium student, mm-hmm. They offered Hulu for free. Now, yeah. um, now there are some people who has premium Spotify mm-hmm. with commercial free Hulu. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. I have the, the student one. Even if I had the premium one, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind paying for, mm-hmm. it's still it's only two dollars more. Yeah, I have the student plan with commercial Hulu, but that's the one that also came with Showtime. Yeah, and I also have Showtime. Yeah, but also a cool thing about Hulu though. Um, when I started the student account, um, account, they gave me Hulu, but also they gave me the Google um, Chrome. Oh, um, they device. did? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And they did that again two months ago. Really? Oh, damn. Um, and this is also another reminder for our listeners, and I will also tweet it out, because they also announced, Netflix announced it recently. If you have an older generation smart TV, Roku, or Google um, Chrome, or Apple TV, Netflix will not work on December 1st. Really? Yeah. If you have a first-generation Roku, Apple TV, Google Chrome, or a smart TV, Netflix will not will no longer work on those on those um, systems. I guess it's for compatibilities with the actual like um, quality content. I guess right. Yep. They wouldn't. Uh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Older hardware wouldn't be able to update. I feel I'm probably going <laughs> to, somebody might mention that it's like I'm talking out my ass. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I can imagine probably why they're doing that, but it sucks. God. Yeah. Imagine for people who have a smart TV that literally would have to buy a new fucking TV for that. Yep. So to end, to end off this first question, mm-hmm. I do um, see DC Universe being absorbed and people are going to be paying yeah. more. DC Universe is only 8 bucks a month. I well, begrudgingly agree with you on that front for some reason. All right. So question two. Oh, I was dreading this one. What other DC villains? Um, the, um, the person who gave the question's name is Zeon. Um, his question was he has uh, multiple questions but we'll start with this one first what other DC villains do we need a character study of similar to quality of the Joker but actually maybe done better now I'm going to assume that he didn't like the Joker as much it sounds like it based on the way the question was phrased Um, myself I feel I feel the only reason the Joker was made in Scorsese said it 
the Joker doesn't have a definitive origin. Right, which is why I liked the movie. <laughs> um, I don't like the movie because, I, like I said, mm-hmm. I think I said before, villains who get their own films and it de- wasn't done well in a he- an established hero film. Mm-hmm. They need to be, the, the villain needs to be established in those hero films and not to be killed off. Right, that's the major thing. They don't need to be fridged for the next friggin' sequel. Um, just send the fucking prison. Yeah. Like, Mysteri- Let him break out. That's like, his whole thing. <laughs> the only caveat to this, Mysterio, he probably faked his death. If you see him, you haven't seen Far From Home. I don't know what to say about you. Mysterio probably faked his death. Yeah. I mean, it's literally within his character that he would most likely fake his death. Yeah. So, for me, the Joker is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find it disturbing like most people has because I'm like, you look at what fucking world you live in. Yeah, I feel like it's this... a ref- the joke. I see they made the the film reflect a reflection of what's going on in society, which and society hates looking at itself in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I feel this is my three. I answered this question before on a radio show that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um. I said, Clayface, Mister Freeze, and Catwoman. Catwoman, though, her origin is tied directly to Batman's. Right, so you wouldn't really be able to do hers without including Batman and having that maybe over foreshadow if you don't do it right. And you can change it up a bit. You can have Bruce Wayne instead of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say for Catwoman, use er, um, year one Batman. Mm-hmm. But they also had um, Frank Miller's Batman year one. Mm-hmm. And there is a or there's typically the origin of Catwoman in that story mm-hmm. that goes that's concurrent to Batman's. Mm-hmm. They could use that. Because hmm. yes, we forget sense. about the Halle Berry Catwoman standalone. <laughs> typically, people's gonna forget about what Zoe um, Zoe Kravitz. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, yep. <laughs> like when they said Zoe Kravitz, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. oh yeah." It's like I'll pay to go see that. Oh yeah. It's like uh, no, I'm gonna watch that movie for the commercials in the beginning. <laughs> Mr. Freeze it makes a lot of sense because he wasn't evil he didn't become evil until up until that guy un- tried to kill Freeze's wife who was in cryo mm-hmm. and then threw him in a vat of chemical and I also noticed this one thing almost all his villains minus Catwoman get thrown in a vat in some form of fucking chemicals yeah <laughs> oh my god maybe that's the real like seedy underbelly of Gotham I'm like, and it's technically not Batman's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He but, just happens to be the main guy that tries to stop Freeze from doing all the stuff that he wants to do to reanimate his wife or whatever. Um, they can literally legit make that um, a good majority of the movie, Freeze and his wife, you see mm-hmm. the de- degradation of her health. Mm-hmm. Then it gets to the point where he ha- um, they come up with the point. And she was also, I think, um, there's different versions of Nora Freeze. There's one mm-hmm. where she's a doctor as well, and there's one she's just... Um, just his wife right right I say use the one where she's a doctor as mm-hmm. well and they both come up with a way where they say they cry, cryogenically freezes her uh-huh. right? um, then you do the um, freeze becomes Mr. Freeze yeah and then have the movie in bleak his wife is um, in cryo the police has her mm-hmm. um, the hospital has her stuck in cryo mm-hmm. he's on the run mm-hmm. but he killed the person who created him yeah Honestly, that would be a really good character study because I feel like one of the, the major things, at least at least in reference to the question, right? Um, in the style of Joker, but done better. Well, again, it would that's be, relative think, to how you think. I think 
Mr. Freeze's movie would be more modern as opposed to set in the 80s like the Joker. Right, because the, the thing that Joker did that I did enjoy was it brought up the conversation of mental health. And, and it, wealth versus the poor. Exactly. So I think what uh, like an origin story like Mr. Freeze would be, it, it would actually play well as far as like thinking it, about depression and loss and thinking about how like that kind romance of thing. Drama. Yeah, exactly. How that kind of thing could actually draw you to do the insane things that sometimes you wouldn't even think you yourself would be able to do. Yeah. It goes back to certain... It goes back to old-ass tales that you see the theme being repeated by time and by different artists. It's like, for some reason, I don't even know why, the first thing that comes to my mind is like the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, yeah. how, how loss and how um, pain and suffering at the expense of being betrayed by somebody would drive you to do things that you wouldn't normally find yourself to be able to do. That's Spe like the whole theme of Monte Cristo. Speaking on that, though, mm -hmm. Clayface would be a good allegory for Count Monte Cristo. Yeah, yeah. Because Clayface was an actor. Mm -hmm. Got in the wrong crowd with it on Mafia Gang. Mm -hmm. Bad of chemicals. Bad of chemicals. <laughs> it became This time of the clay variety, apparently. But here's the thing, though. Clayface leans more to a horror movie, though. Mm-hmm is the way how he can kill people as Clayface, mm -hmm. but he also, he can be anybody he wants. Mm -hmm. mm. And that's like, um... It's almost uh, like The Thing. Not The Thing, The Thing, but also, um... Oh, there's a Tim Raimi movie, Sam Raimi movie that came out. I was super... This was before he was born. I was super young. It was Liam Nielsen. Liam Nielsen. Um, Mr. Neeson's? You talking about Neeson's now? Um, fuck, I forgot that fucking... He was bandaged, like, horribly burned. He had to be bandaged up. Oh, um... Oh, you're Dark not, Man! Dark Man, yes. Clayface could be the DC's Dark Man. It would be Counter Marta Cristo meets Dark Man. Yeah. Yeah, okay, you know, okay, so... Between Mr. Freeze and Clayface, which would you prefer to see? I would see them both over, um, over Catwoman because Catwoman you need Batman you want to do a movie that mm. does not require Batman mm. Clayface and Mr. Freeze would be that one be should we ones. should we ask the audience to let us know what they would rather see a Clayface origin or a Freeze origin yeah that's your, my question to you guys would you rather see Clayface or would you rather see Mr. Freeze let us know you can hit me up at Twitter on Desi the Sith or answer the, on the, in the comment section of this show if we're lucky, it may be the third uh, action item on the next housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And also, a little, um, this is a little tangent. If you played Arkham Knight, right. there's a DLC that featured Mr. Freeze. Nora gets cured. I did not play the DLC. I played the, the base game, but I didn't play any of the DLC. If Nora gets, um, she gets cured. Huh. And Mr. Freeze and Nora, but she becomes like a Frost character. So oh. they they able to be together, huh? Okay. That's in the game. In the if you watch a Batman the animated series, though. Oh yeah. She gets cured, but she doesn't get with Clay. She doesn't get with Mister Freeze. Yeah, because it's like what she can't stand the man he's become. Yep. So, and he becomes even more evil. So note to self: if your wife gets frozen, don't do bad shit while she's still frozen. <laughs> I think in the game he used his own his own blood to cure her and that's how he was able to be with her i'm like okay i have to after my brother played it and mm -hmm. i was watching him play it and i was like i'm gonna have to like i'm gonna, I'm gonna go on youtube and just look at it because <laughs> I, I i remember that but i didn't see it um the next question by zeon is zenon zeon and he can he can let me know how to pronounce it <laughs> what is your favorite dc animated movie 
DC animated movie. You know, you actually mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I'm happy they put the remastered version. I was thinking about this. Return of Joker? No, 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 not Return of Joker. I actually, for me, it's a little bit of a toss-up. And I know it's, it's going to be a Batman-themed one. But I feel like if uh, the one that was more important to me growing up was Batman Beyond. The was, movie. Was, uh, yeah, that was Return of the Joker. Wait, that w- Yeah, Batman Beyond. Was that the movie. subtitle on it? Yeah, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. Oh, crap. Oh, God, I'm going to get so much hate for that. Yeah. <laughs> Batman Beyond only had one movie, and that's that. Wow. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Because I always knew it as Batman Beyond. <laughs> but that one was always, like, a really big influence for me when I was younger. Because it was, it was like, my first time actually seeing Batman in a movie. Because at that point, I had already seen, like, Batman in, like, you know, everything TV-wise. But I hadn't seen a movie version. And it was, like, a lot more of a... It was a lot more of a darker tone than I had already been used to at that point. At that point, again, I was younger. I was younger. It's not the same anymore. Yeah. But the other toss-up I would have would be killing joke actually the but i think one? but oh, what the f- but but let me let me say this let me say this the only reason i say that is because i got to watch that at comic-con with the actors on stage yeah but it's still <laughs> that was a little well different received, it was it yeah but it still gave me the joker origin that i kind of wanted or at least that i got to enjoy that i hadn't been able to see before because at that point I had been reading the comics, but I didn't even had a chance to read Killing Joke up until that point. So when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is an origin that is its own weird multiverse theory. Because you don't know what's actually the origin for Joker, which yeah. is why I actually, going back to the other tangent, why I actually liked um, the Joker movie. Because when you take, at least when you take it the way that I saw it, which was, I already know that there's no set story for the joker you can take it as this is the director's rendition of it and for this director's rendition it is good as a standalone which is why for me i mean i've I've also seen this online people saying oh we should see him uh opposite batfleck or we should see him in another sequel it's like no the whole point of this and the whole like gravitas you get from the movie is this is all you get let it be what it is it was good for what it was in my opinion but the second that you give it a sequel, you're going to undercut every single tone that was supposed to be gonna, set. It's not going to get a sequel because um, Joaquin Phoenix do not want to come back. Good. 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 Um, <laughs> my um, favorite DC animated feature is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Ooh, that's a good if one. If it wasn't for Mask of the Phantasm, we wouldn't get that darkness in Batman Return of the Joker. That is, that is a good point. Um, I seen Mask of the Phantasm in theaters mm-hmm. the year it came out. I fo- as a kid, I followed everything. Even when Fox News was covering it, huh. that's when I learned Robin was supposed to be in the movie, <laughs> and um, thus started the nerd rage. <laughs> um, the scene where Batman is being chased by the police and Veronica Beaumont um, comes and saves him. Mm-hmm. It was actually supposed to be Robin in the Batmobile. Oh, really? Huh. Why did they cut him? I don't know. That, I mean, of all the things you also, find out, you never found that out. But also, Robin was introduced in Batman the Animated Series later on. Okay. So, technically, Mask of the Phantasm takes place in between certain, um, certain seasons of the Batman, mm-hmm. of Batman the Animated Series, I found mm-hmm. out. But mm-hmm. Robin did end up coming in Batman um, Sub-Zero, though. Mm-hmm. But still, Master of the Phantasm is one of is my ultimate favorite movie. I'll say number two, mm-hmm. Death of Superman. 
Why? It is the only DC animated movie, second DC animated movie that gave me emotion, an emotional, um, I would say an emotional, like almost crying. Wow. Okay. Batman Master of the Phantasm. As a kid, I'm seeing Batman go through his like. You see him, him and Gordon in the animated series. They're buddy buddy, and all of a sudden the cops are after him. Yeah. That as a kid, that me as a kid at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm angry. Like you know, what? fuck Gordon. This is me now. Yeah. Watch yeah. Master of the Phantasm. Yeah. Now, that'd be really funny if that was like seven year old you being like, "Fuck Gordon." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, reason why Death of Superman. This is the first time they actually adapted an animated um, a comic book as an animated feature correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed the Justice League actually trying to stop Doomsday, and as opposed to in the comic book, they, if you really look at the comic books, the Justice mm-hmm. League didn't do shit to help Superman out in, in the Death of Superman comic books. Mm-hmm. They did. So they were the death of Superman. <laughs> um, so in here, it shows them actually trying to help. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives you like an, a perspective on how powerful Doomsday was. And then on top of that, it's the fact that Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine are married. So mm-hmm. when she's crying, mm-hmm. when she's crying for Super, um, for, for Clark, right. it's like she's really crying that her husband's dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit, mm-hmm. and and how way that leads up to his death. Yeah, just that whole. I'm like, like I'm getting choked up. <laughs> what is going on? Like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> like, all right, I see you guys. I see you guys. Mm-hmm. And this is why the DC animated verse. I'm saying is better than fucking live action verse. Oh yeah, hands down. Hands um, down. <laughs> why so, do you think there's so much more in the animated universe than anything else? Um, so the next question, this one, like, holy shit. I think this one should be an episode in itself. Why don't you read the question out? The question is, and we're going to end it off here, because <laughs> I, I legit, this would be a good, this would probably be like a good 30 minutes. And okay. we're already running over time. Okay. <laughs> Create your own super grant, super band, which is basically a super group, mm-hmm. and include some songs you want them to do. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, that one I'm gonna do it. I'm going to use that as the basis of the next episode. Okay. Because we because we legit need to go through a list mm-hmm. of our favorite bands and pick and our uh, pick a musician from those bands. Okay. And then we could pick a list of songs to go for. Um, okay. Go for. Should we put some rules then, like maximum amount of band members? Otherwise, it's just it can well, end up being Lincoln, a K-pop Lincoln, band of thirty Lincoln, people. <laughs> Linkin Park has seven members. Okay. When uh, I'd say I, as much as I love Chester, when Chester was alive, it's technically seven group, seven band members. Right. Um, Deftones are technically five. Okay. So we can stick around five to seven. Five to seven. Okay. Um, or you can limit yourself and be like Green Day is only three members. Very true, too. But they'd have to be three strong-ass members because, okay, here's the thing, then. If we're actually going to build a super team of this or but, a super band... But I also will give a caveat. Mm-hmm. We want, we are one of the members of the band. So I'm going to... I'm going I'm to I'm warp, warp your questions, Z. I'm going to warp your questions, Z. We're going to be also in the band. I mean, come on, we can't do a super group. Oh, God, do we have... Our, not include ourselves. Can we at least choose which instruments we get to play or yeah. if we're lead vocals or... Well, no, we wouldn't be lead vocals, I don't no, think. No, I, I know but, who I would... I, 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 here is... 
a taste. I would have Chino Marino as the, my lead vocalist. Okay. You're going to have to come up with a good reason why. I'm, I want to hear why. I, my reason why already, he's someone who can do a mel- he could do be medali- uh, more of a melody singer. Okay. Um, if you listen to Team Sleep, mm-hmm. um, his other side projects, and most of the um, Deftone records, like mm-hmm. I would say um, the one that recently came out, um, Ooh. the name of... <laughs> well, here's, here's, uh, here's another question then, while you look up your own, your own answer. Uh, should we then also limit it to, because you brought up Chester, <laughs> living members or living artists? I would say you could be past um, uh, those who passed away also. Okay, okay. I should, oh, man. I want to use... Chester's another one who can go back and forth as well. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, because if you want to do something like that, I mean... Gore is the last one. Was the last one. Ah, okay, okay. Um, yes, yes. This is a good question. Yeah, this is definitely a longer topic that we should explore. Yeah. Um, this one it would probably be more quick. Um, this is from Nick Rice. With the resurgence of Dave Chappelle, the best comedy show of all time, if still relevant. Of all time. Of all time. I mean... I would say the Chappelle show is the be- is still the best of all time. And yeah. there are some skits that are still relevant. They're very relevant, yeah. Like, um, when Keeping It Real goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Even though that was more of a comedic bit, mm-hmm. if you look at what's going on in today's society... Mm-hmm. With people fighting over fucking chicken sandwiches. People getting stabbed over chicken sandwiches recently. Um, people who, quote unquote, think they're woke, especially black people. Yeah, the whole woke culture in general, too. It's just. Um, those who's like, I'm real, and then their actions literally get them um, pigeonholed from a career, or they get them look, they look down, get lugged down upon mm-hmm. something else. That is technically the definition of keeping it real goes wrong. Mm hmm. And in his recent comedy sketch, mm-hmm. he talks about woke culture. Yeah, I remember that one. You're talking about the, what is it, the two, the two-part sketch, or not sketch, the two-part series he put out on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, so Dave Chappelle and his sketches and everything he's done is still relevant. Very. Um, because they, it, they, what he did back in, I was like, shit, 2004, it's like 2004, 2007? Yeah, he took a large hiatus from comedy and the industry in general. And he's one of those observing, those observant comedians. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, like, you can tell he, he gives no fucks. Yeah. And he just does it. Mm-hmm. And if there's a response to it, his next special will be in response to it. Yeah. But he's more of, instead of more, he will crack jokes here and there, but he will also break down why this happened in the first place. Yeah. And he'll also acknowledge the voices that people who are angry at him. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those comedians, you don't see a lot of comedians do that today. Yeah, they like generally will take it, they'll either they'll either address it publicly or they won't even touch it, and then during the next special just pretend like nothing ever happened. Yeah. And he'll just, he just hammers on into it. He yeah. just, he doesn't back off. He goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I think he is still relevant and his sketches are still relevant. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I would, I would agree with that because other than Chappelle's show, I would really only think of m- maybe two sketch comedy shows that would still be semi-relevant. 
And the only reason I would say Key and Peele would be because of how recent it is. And mm. then on top of that, with how popular both of them are becoming in their own careers, mm. they're still very relevant. But Chappelle is rev- relevant in the way that it's not only um, in entertainment, it's also culturally he's relevant. So I would still say Chappelle show would be more important. Yep. But um, not forgetting some of the stuff that is very influential of what's now, I wanted to bring up In Living Color. Because that, even though it may not be as relevant, at least culturally anymore, it is still relevant in the fact that at the time, sketch comedy was not nearly as popular. I mean, arguably, you could say we, SNL still had a lot of the a lot of the um, the main audience for yeah. that. But SNL had its own style. In Living Color is what gave us m- more of that grittier, more more again relevant. Something that was more of a comment on what was happening at the time. Yeah. Which SNL, even though they did do that, because it was very, it's always been very relevant. SNL has always focused very politically in what's going on, whereas things like In Living Color and Chappelle Show and and Key and Peele, they have to do with how the culture is responding to things in general, instead of how um, the higher, more, for lack of a different place, New York type elite, are um, what they're experiencing in politics. You know, it's yeah. more of a a grounded basis in comedy. Yeah. But I do agree with you. Chappelle show is probably one of the, still probably one of the best sketch shows out there. I mean, I still laugh my ass off every time he's like dressed like Rick James and Prince and everything. I still love all of those. And then did you see on uh, what was it? Not too long ago when he was on SNL or maybe long ago now. That was, like, that was like three, almost three years ago. Okay. It's like right around the time he came back. Yeah. Did you, did you see the one that he did where it was, um, the Walking Dead sketch, and he brings back a lot of his old Chappelle show yeah. characters, and like ends up killing some off. Yeah, as Negan. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, he still knows how to keep it funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> and with that, that's the show. Thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah. Um, definitely, next week's episode will be that band, that band episode. Oh yeah. Um, I think we can just go and also on that same episode talk about the type of genre of music we enter. Yeah. You know what? That's a good one to come up to. So with that, thank you for listening. Peace.